Hello, mixers. That's a stupid name, but I'm just going to go with it. Uh, this is Daniel. And uh, I have another request to ask of you. This episode that you're about to hear is another uh, mini episode where we recap Star Trek colon Lower Decks episode two of season one. So um, if you would do me a favor, head over to our YouTube channel and subscribe so that we can get our damn vanity URL because it's very difficult to tell people to go to youtube.com slash 27664, you know, whatever the hell the numbers are. I don't know what the numbers are. Don't type those numbers in because they don't go anywhere. They will go nowhere. It's probably end up at Scott the Sater's website. You don't want to go there. Trust me. So, uh, yeah, if you would just go over and subscribe to the little YouTube uh, channel, we would appreciate it because, you know, Adam spent thousands and thousands of dollars in lighting and camera equipment, and he has to justify it somehow. So please, uh, you know, do him that favor, please, for Adam. You know, it was his birthday. It's an easy birthday present. Really, do it for him. Thank you. And now on with the episode. On? What the the fuck does that mean? And now onward with the episode. Welcome back. I'm Daniel Brewer. And I'm Adam Burns. And this is Mix Minus Talks About Star Trek, colon, Lower Decks. Tonight we're going to talk about episode two, titled Envoys. Uh, Just a a note for you guys out there who may not have CBS All Access, if you'd like to watch the premiere episode of Star Trek Lower Deck, it is available on YouTube for free for a limited time. CBS has put it up on their YouTube channel. Uh, If you just search for Star Trek Lower Decks full episode, you'll find it. It's on the CBS YouTube one. Don't go to some sketchy YouTube place. Just go to the CBS. Anyway, you can watch it. Uh, absolutely, uh, you know, for free and see if you, if you like it or not before you decide whether you want to shell out the money for CBS All Access. But let's talk about episode two tonight. Before we do that, I have a complaint. Sure. This is not on the script, but. Yes. Uh, CBS All Access, the app on my TV. Yes. Sucks because I, you know, the little thing comes up and it says, watch now. And I'm like, great. I'm going to click watch now and it's going to take me to the episode. Yes. That, that I wanted want, that to you watch. you want to watch, yes. No, no, it took me to episode one. I was like, what the hell, CBS All Access? So I are you, which, which app are you one. using? Are you using your TV app or a Roku app or Fire TV app? What, no, I have app? a, we have a Vizio TV and it okay. has so like. That would be the TV app. That's what I asked. So yes. you're using your smart TV app. Yeah, I can't speak to that. I have a Vizio TV, but I'm not using that app. I'm using the Roku one. I think what a lot of times though, I see this on all of these over the top uh, platforms is that they have kind of. One of the banners is actually a banner for an episode, which is why it takes you to that episode instead of you going to the the series page, right? Because once you get to the series page, you can pick what episode you want to watch. And yeah, it's it's like fighting on Disney Plus. Sometimes it's like really I have to fight to get back to the series page on Disney Plus because it, it wants to show me an episode of DuckTales. It's like, no, I want to skip ahead. Like take me to the series page so I can get ahead. Anyway, none of this matters because I mean, we're talking let's about Let's be honest, Star you've Trek. seen all the episodes of DuckTales already. So you're I mean, you're rewatching anyway, so. But as I get older and forget things, it's like watching them for the first time. Uh, this week on uh, Star Trek Lower Decks Episode 2, there were actually two distinct storylines that happened throughout this episode. So in order to kind of make this a little bit easier on our part, uh, we're going to break them down into two parts. There was the, uh, well, we're going to talk about them separately, I guess. They were intertwined in the show. We're going to break them apart. Does that make sense? Sure, it does. Uh, yes. The, the two storylines out there were one between Imsen's Boimler and Marin. Uh, they were on an away mission so that is one storyline that was happening and the other one was between Ensign's Rutherford and Tendi 
as they prepared to go on a date and Rutherford made some changes to his job. So we're going to talk about Boimler and Mariner first. All right. After a brief encounter with a trans-dimensional energy creature, Mariner and Tindy end up with a sweet new tricorder and a power cell. And while they're playing it, playing with it in a cargo, let me say that again. While they are playing with it in a cargo bay, they are greeted by Ensign Boimler, who brags that he has been assigned to a sweet, sweet mission to shuttle the Klingon envoy General Corrin to a peace talk on Tolgana 4. While she feigned disinterest in the mission, Mariner secretly gets herself assigned to it as mission commander, a fact that Boimler learns only at... A fact that Boimler learns about only after he boards the shuttle to prepare it for the flight. General Coran appears and Mariner launches into a battle with him inside of the shuttle. A few seconds later, they both break out in laughter as we discover that they are well acquainted and ran some Grey Ops missions together in the past. The duo break out some blood wine and start to drink as Boimler plots them as Boimler pilots them away from, from the Cerritos. Wow, that's a complicated sentence, isn't it? <laughs> As they approach Tolgana 4, Corrin demands that they land in the Klingon sector so that he can get some gah and some blood, some more blood wine. Bormler reluctantly lands the shuttle to accommodate the general only to watch in horror as Corrin steals the shuttle and flies away. Adam, what did you think about the beginning parts of season one, episode two? I think it went downhill a little bit from episode one, uh, but... Uh, a couple of thoughts that I had um, other than that. What, what, so one of the thoughts was, first of all, uh, Mariner seemed so excited about getting a tricorder where she doesn't seem excited about anything else Starfleet related or or anything. She's always like, uh, uh, you know, whatever, whatever. Uh, no, I, I, wanna... I disagree with that. She she gets excited about Star Trek technology. She was very excited about the holodeck last last, uh, last episode. I mean, I think she likes the tech. I think she likes, you know, the stuff. Who does? Okay, I can I can see that, but that that is a thought that crossed my mind. I was like, oh yeah, sure, you're all about the, and and I did think it was funny that the that the energy beam or the little ball got smaller as <laughs> yeah. he granted the wishes. It's like you know, and then he goes into the captain, and I was thinking, uh, you know, okay, this is going to be the episode. Like the captain's going to be, possessed. I don't know, possessed yeah. by this, and we don't hear anything else about it the entire episode. So that no, that was a little interesting, like throwaway thing, or maybe episode three. Who knows? I mean, maybe you know the captain will be possessed with some energy beam, but could be. Um, so there's that, and then I liked the fact that they made, and I don't remember if they made fun of this in the in the episode in the episode one. But I liked the joke about how uh, the Klingon's name and what was his name? Well, they all have an apostrophe something in them. <laughs> they they do. Saying. As do Vulcans. Yeah. So, yeah. And then it was it was kind of, you know, typical Klingon where he wanted to eat some wriggling worms and get drunk. <laughs> and that's gah. That's gah. All that yeah, kind of stuff. Is. So, yeah. I mean, it was, again, a lot of a lot of inside baseball jokes, which I really enjoyed. It is. And it, I think it sets up nicely. It continues on that whole uh, kind of adversarial relationship that Boimler and Mariner have, you know, kind of like friend. They, they, they like to fight. They, they enjoy fighting each other, I think. All right. Continuing on, Boimler and Mariner make their way on foot and try to locate General Corinne and the missing shuttle. A brief encounter with a taxor goes badly when Boimler utters the phrase, female feces outside inside feces in an attempt to apologize in the taxer's native, native tongue. Mariner quickly distracts the taxer and, an en- and engineers their escape while at the same time stealing 
the creature's wallet. As Boimler waits for Mariner to blood peace and blood wine, he's approached by an attractive female who promises him Jamaharon. As she leans in to kiss him, a blast of water hits her in the face from the hose that Mariner is holding. As the female runs away, Mariner explains that she was an Anjabaj. I'm going to say that again. An, an Anabaj who wanted to lay eggs in his throat. <laughs> she knows this because she dated one once, but only to piss off her mother. Hot on the trail of the general, they enter an Andorian bar, Bumpler, Bumpler? I think we should just call him that from now on. Boimler jumps to the defense of an old man who is being threatened by shooting the antagonist with his phaser. This turns out to be a huge mistake as the old man was in fact a shape-shifting, shape-shifting Vendorian who made off with the anger group's valuables. As the bar fight ensues, Mariner crashes into the room, shouting Kirk hands as she punches an Andorian and then offers to buy the entire bar the next five rounds if they stop fighting. All right, Adam. So what did you think of this whole uh, Mariner and Boimler uh, wander away from the shuttle onto this alien planet? I mean, I've had a couple of people want to lay eggs in my throat, but, I, I, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, uh, they no, um, that was, I, I didn't, it, does that, so does that race really exist, first of all? Is that a race that we've seen? All right, Adam, I, I hate to tell you this. No, I... <laughs> Andorians are not real. <laughs> they are no, made up in Star Trek. You're asking, are they an actual uh, race no, that has happened before in Star Trek? I don't know. I actually don't know. I mean, I would assume out of all the books in the movies or something, they would. They really do drop a lot of of Easter eggs all along this. To, into you know, Jamaharon, which comes from Rijan, uh, Rizal, Riza. Uh, like something else that they'd oh uh, there's a, later in the episode they'll name drop Captain Janeway, Janeway is like there really are you know dropping things from you know hints of things inside the uh, Star Trek lore there I lost my train of thought there yeah I think you know I think that we just go around and so I yeah and and Orans we know exist because they were in the first series they were the blue creatures but Correct. with the with the antennae or whatever you one call of the, one them. of but, the founding members of the Federation mm, of Planets yes but uh, the no, I was talking about the the woman who her face like split yeah. open. No, I, I and don't she know. Had, like, yeah, of uh, Anabaj. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's a real creature. I don't know. I I I, I got no idea. But basically, this boils down to they're you know they're walking around and they're trying to find the Klingon mm-hmm. and uh, you know corral him because they need to get back to the ship. And um, again, Mariner's just showing that she's way more experienced than yeah. Boimler is. Even though they appear, and I know these are cartoons, so, I mean, you know, you can't really tell, but they appear to be roughly the same age. So I'm like, man, how much more experience does she have? Or is it just because she's the daughter of the captain and, you know, even when she was young and not in Starfleet yet, she's had experiences as she was just kind of tagging along? Because, again, she seems to be... Yeah, I think we'll find that out as we go along, you know, just each episode and... uh you know, get a little bit more of her backstory, a little bit more of that. So at the moment, we don't know. We don't know. But yeah, they appear to be all roughly around the same age. So. Is that it? I, no response. I mean, I died laughing. That was my laugh out loud moment this episode when she literally punches the guy in the neck and goes, Kirk hands. <laughs> just, I didn't catch that until you just said, <laughs> I did not catch Kirk hands at all. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's really funny, but I didn't catch it when I was watching it. It just makes me want to shout that every time that I, anyway, anytime I ever jump out in front of anyone, any, any, I can't talk. Anytime I ever jump out in front of someone in the future, I'm just going to shout that. That's going to be my battle cry now. So 
All right. All right. Getting back here. Boimler has reached rock bottom as he tells Mariner that he isn't cut out to be in Starfleet. He removes his con badge, tosses it into a puddle as he wallows in his self-pity. Mariner convinces him to continue to look for the shuttle when they happen across a Ferengi who offers them help. Boimler asserts that he will not trust a Ferengi while Mariner dismisses his concerns and suggests that they let him help. In a moment of assertiveness, Boimler demands to know the landing code of the Ferengi ship, something that any legitimate pilot would have. The Ferengi scowls in an attempt to attack them, but runs away as his knife is knocked out of his hand by Boimler's phaser beam. Mariner admits that Boimler was right about the Ferengi, but then notices that the missing shuttle is just ahead of them. The duo enters the shuttle, uh, removes the unconscious Klingon and deposit him on the doorstep for his peace conference and then quickly try to course back to the Cerritos. As they head home, Mariner hands Boimler back his comm badge that she rescued from the puddle and asks him not to tell others about her embarrassing lack of knowledge about the Ferengi. Naturally, we are treated to the scene at the uh, crew lounge where Boimler is loudly regaling the crew with how wrong Mariner was on the planet and how he, in fact, had saved the day. Our final scene with Mariner is her talking to her good Ferengi fin- friend, Quimp, thanking him for pretending to be the menacing Ferengi on the planet. Adam, what did you think of the resolution of the uh, Mariner and Boimler storyline? Well, you know, I, I always joke to Mark that and that's that's my partner, boyfriend, whatever. Um, I always joke to him that I should be a writer on television because I always guess what these, you know, a surprise endings are going to be. So I turned to him while we were watching this and I'm like, yeah, she staged that. That is that is totally staged. And then we get to the you know we get to the end and uh, and and sure because I'm like everybody knows who a, what a Ferengi is like she knows all this other crap and just magically she doesn't know. What did you she know, thought what a she thought it was a bullion. Like. It's an innocent oh, mistake. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I I kind of saw that one coming, but um, but yeah, I thought it was nice of her. You know, he was he had lost his confidence because she's so much better than him in every single way. Yeah. It seems, and. Uh, and, you know, she wanted him to be happy. So it was nice. It was a really friendly thing and like for her to do. And she didn't she never broke character. Like even when he was making fun of her in the in the what's in the it bar called? 10 forward, whatever. Well, it's I'm, called. Not, I'm not sure if it's actually 10 forward on this ship. I mean, you know, on the Enterprise, it was 10 forward because it, it was on deck 10 in the four in the, the forward, know, the yeah. four section you of know? the ship. I don't know what it's actually called on the Cerritos. On the Cerritos. I got to quit saying Cerritos. It's Cerritos. Anyway, I didn't even think of that. But yeah, yeah. Uh, wherever they were, the the mess hall. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought that was sweet. I thought it was sweet. Yeah. I, all in all, I mean, this was largely a place setting kind of episode where we're getting to know some of the backstories of our main four characters. And, you know, it wasn't as good as the first episode, maybe overall. But at the same time, um, you know, these are the steps you have to make. Right. You have to get to know these characters uh, in order to really kind of enjoy the stories. Um, do you have anything else on that? We're, we're wrapping up on I, more, uh, Boimler and Mariner here. I had more of a comment that I think will go at the end. So I'm going to just save that. Okay. I'm going to save it. Got to save it. All right. Uh, the, on the second storyline, we deal with uh, Ensign's Tendi and Rutherford. Uh, so Tendi asks Rutherford if she's still planning on watching the nebula with her when the ship arrives in proximity of it in a few days. Rutherford realizes that he is scheduled to be working in the Jeffries tubes during that time and comes to the only conclusion that he can. He's going to quit his job so he isn't busy that night. He finds his boss and tells him that he wants to leave engineering. His boss wishes him luck and the entire engineering... And the entire engineering department cheers for him for following his passions elsewhere. Adam, what did you think of the setup here of our our, our romantic couple, Ensign's Tindy and Rutherford? 
Well, of course, if you're, you know, if you have a conflict with something and work, the first thing that comes to my mind is, oh, I'm going to quit my job. Exactly. I'm just going to, I'm going to go find something else. Oh my God, I have something that came up on the same day I'm supposed to work. Like that right. was so stupid. Well, it's, like, it's very much an engineering mindset, right? It's just like, uh, you know, engineers like to solve problems. So, you know, they don't necessarily want to listen to something. They, they want to, they don't want to offer it. You know, they want to solve the problem. This solves the problem in the most expedient way that they possibly can. I thought it was kind of funny that his boss, you know, acted like he was going to get angry, but then, uh-huh. uh, you know, flipped the thing. Up. Well, of course you can. Good, good luck, you know, and, and follow your dreams. And I'm like, yeah, this is Starfleet, right? I mean, this, what does it matter? Theoretically, they're not getting paid. So it's right. like uh, they haven't. So what does it matter whether they're engineering or, uh, you know, following their heart's desire to go, uh, you know, into security or medical or command, wherever they want to go? Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. It's fine. Whatever you want. It's Star Trek. You can do whatever you want. Rutherford arrives with Commander Ransom on the holodeck as a new recruit for command. He's going to be challenged with a simulated bridge scenario. After a l- after less than 30 seconds, the ship is destroyed and Ransom suggests that perhaps he should have used the Janeway protocol. Rutherford is then put into a very basic bridge scenario where he promptly orders that they follow the Janeway protocol, which leads to the ship being destroyed within 30 seconds and all the children on board being vacuumed out into space. <laughs> we next find Rutherford in the sick bay as a new recruit for medical. Although he does extremely well at fixing broken bodies, he lacks any sort of bedside manner and is asked to leave after panicking a patient who has just gone through major surgery. Finally, Rutherford enters the holodeck with the head of security, Lieutenant Shax, orders up the most challenging board confrontation on file and marvels as Rutherford, with the aid of his Vulcan cranial implant, easily defeats an entire hive of drones. Shax congratulates him for being a natural and welcomes him to security. As Shax is introducing Rutherford to the security team, he spots an engineer leaving a Jeffrey's tubes and realizes he really wanted to be an engineer all along. He apologizes to Shax and heads back to engineering. When he tells Tendi that he can't go with her to see the nebula, she says, eh, that's fine, I can just join you in the Jeffries tube and watch it on my pad. The episode ends with them happily together in the Jeffries tube. Adam, what did you think of the wrap-up of the uh, Tendi and Rutherford storyline? It was it was kind of weaved in between the, the Boimler and Mariner one, and it's a much shorter storyline, but uh, what did you think of it? Well, I, I thought... I, I didn't I know it was just for laughs but but so in the the security situation where um the security officer uh, lieutenant is it uh lieutenant Shax yes Shax the, the uh, Bajoran yes yes yeah he sets up the you know this really difficult and I believe it was like they were Borg yeah it was like a thing yeah centuries I call it a hive but I didn't, I didn't know what you call a group of Borg <laughs> uh, but yeah it was it was you know like we call 20 Borg. Borg yeah like what happens when 20 it's a hive of Borg uh, and so, you know, I, I thought, um, again, just like in engineering. So when, when, uh, when he says, Hey, you know what? I really think that I'm not cut out for this. I want to be, I want to go back to engineering and they do this kind of menacing, what, you know, kind yeah. of look on the Lieutenant's face. And then, and then he goes, oh, of course, of yeah. course, yeah. no, no but you follow your dreams. You know, I'm like, they have the same joke again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it was it was interesting. Apparently, this implant that um, that Rutherford has will just let him do anything because he's like, (laughs) I don't know how to fight. And then all of a sudden you see this heads up display with like targets on all the the little the hivelings. Mm -hmm. And then he's like clicking on them and setting up a targeting path and all this. And then all of a sudden it just his thing just moves his his (laughs) implant 
evidently makes moves his body parts as well. I mean, I thought it was just like a LaForge sort of thing that helped him to see. Adam, but, you know, I want to stress, yeah. this is a cartoon. It, <laughs> it is, yeah. We, we don't know. I mean, uh, you know, what your brain controls all your limbs anyway. So yeah, the it, True. half of his brain is this implant that he kind of do it. Yeah, I thought, you know, it's it's apparent, right, that we have our two pairings. We have Ensign Boimler and Mariner with their kind of, you know, adversarial type relationship, adversarial love relationship kind of a thing there. And then we have Tindy and, and Rutherford who are just immediately settling into, oh, let's go on a date. Let's hang out with each other. You know, they they seem to have moved that to the next step there. Where I think they I would qualify them as, you know, they're very definitely dating. Yeah, yeah. I uh, my the thought that I was going to say earlier um that's more general mm-hmm. is um I saw a bunch of people, I don't know if it was on Twitter cuz I, I don't remember where it was that I was looking but um I was just kind of poking around and a lot of people have made comments that uh you know they don't really like lower decks and stuff like that and and I feel like it's probably a lot of like really hardcore Star, Star Trek <laughs> folks. Yeah. Who want more of a, and I think you and I even talked about it like last yeah. week, where they want more of a Star Trek, and they probably didn't like Picard either, like the Picard show on Yeah, CBS. well, like I said, I think I alluded to this last week, There, there is a certain part of the fan base that does not like anything other than the original series. Anything beyond that is, you know, crap, and how dare you blaspheme, 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 right? I would remind people, because I'm old enough to remember, that when Next Generation came out, those people made a whole bunch of stink about that, too. It's like, yeah. it really just comes down to, you know, Enterprise gets widely regarded as the worst of the Star Trek series, just because not that many people like it i liked it it's like had enterprise been popular it wouldn't have been you know oh you know it's a horrible prequel and it's you know blah 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 so you know i'm happy to have any kind of star trek in my life right now that's new right i've i've watched through star trek uh you know several times from front to back right every single episode of every single series i've watched all of that at least two or three times completely some of them many many more times it's just things that are on in the background so yeah having new star trek in any form is, is great to have to me and like i said i think this was really kind of a place setting episode that uh, you know it's necessary to do right yeah and you need to i mean i think i'm beginning to feel about this whole series and, and we'll see as we go but it's uh, it's a Rick and Morty type um, cartoon yeah. with Star Trek jokes kind of sprinkled in, yeah. you know, that happens to take place on a starship. Right. And I think that if you if you're OK with the lightheartedness of it and you've watched enough Star Trek that you really enjoy the jokes, mm-hmm. then I think it's very enjoyable because there are so many little Easter eggs in there of <laughs> things that if you hadn't watched Star Trek before, yeah. You wouldn't know what they, you know, you wouldn't know what they were joking about. Right. And here's as as to that point, you know, the one thing that I had written down here, an open question for you, Adam. What exactly do you think the Janeway protocol is? I have no, you know, <laughs> I. It's probably like you know you you uh, put on your uh, cloaking thingy, Mabob, and you <laughs> then you do a little warp, you know, jump three feet over and maybe right. you mirror your ship or something i don't know i mean i, mean, I that, you know i feel like it has something to do with time travel just because janeway is always involved in some kind of weird time travel alternate no, could be. alternate janeway from some other thing going somewhere uh you know you have your discord sound on by the way just so you know that anyway it's not important but thank you guys for uh sticking out on another episode as we talked about uh star trek lower decks episode two envoys adam any closing thoughts on that 
Uh, live long and prosper. Excellent. Well, look at you. You're the Julie Chen of YouTube. Uh, <laughs> if you'd like to catch us on our normal podcast, you can find it at mixminuspodcast.com. And we'll be back next week to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks Episode 3. See you later. This show is part of the Pride 48 Network. Find all the best shows under the rainbow at pride48.com.